we get a cup of coffee in here, please? Dog tired, I tell you. Good morning. It is Thursday, December 9th, 2021, and I'm still the dog, and you're not. Lucky for you. Good for you. Happy for you. I'm dead tired, man. And I don't have a lot to say today, and my guest, uh, I had planned a guest for you today who's not going to show up. No one meant that they're not going to show up. Something came up. Uh, so it might be end, end up being a, a short program today because uh, I have no idea what the hell I'm going to talk about. I'm just too tired to even think. Uh, great to have you here. Nice to see you. Um, I guess we start uh, with what's going on in the news, I guess. I could talk about that, although nobody really seems to care about. I don't know why. Nobody seems to care about this uh, Ghislaine Maxwell thing. You know, the the whole country is um, pedophile-centric. Uh, I mean, that by, you know, stories about pedophiles are, you know, big talk. People like to talk about this stuff. And, and especially if uh, you're in a Republican Party now, you like to accuse everybody of that kind of projection because the only people actually uh, getting exposed or charged with actual criminal uh, activity in the pedophilia area are Republicans these days. Lots of those. You know, some of them are still in Congress. Matt Gates, uh, obviously one of them. Uh, the face, the new face of the Republican Party. Um, but it's Ghislaine, Jizzy, Jizzlaine, Jizzy, uh, doesn't seem to be most People in America don't seem to really give a fuck about that. And why do I? Because the stuff with Epstein is unresolved in my my view. Um, As most people know, I'm not a big conspiratorial guy. Not big on conspiracy theories. But I think most of America, most of the world, anybody with common sense has this... uh, Unresolved feeling that Epstein absolutely did not kill himself. No matter how many times they're going to say, well, it was suicide. It just seems so unlikely that such a high-profile guy being guarded by the DOJ would have the ability to kill himself. The cameras going on, you know, the whole story. But it just seems... Epstein didn't kill himself, and we want to get to the bottom of that, don't we? Don't we want to know? Because so many high-profile people are are allegedly involved with him, connected to him. There have been rumors about him being a spy uh, and her being part of a CIA uh, informant or whatever they, they did for the CIA. There is some evidence to that Maxwell's father 
was also accused of being a spy. He died mysteriously falling off his yacht uh, right around the time Epstein and Jizzy met a few months before. Um, and he was accused of being a spy. Now, his backstory is really, really foggy. Uh, so all of it is really interesting to me, but I guess not so much for the American people. Anyway, the trial continued yesterday. A lot of minutia, a lot of tying um, Jizzy directly to the running of uh, the, Max, uh, the Epstein homes and facilities. I want to call them facilities. Prisons. <laughs> Prisons for teenage girls. Uh, and uh, sex trafficking and all that stuff. We heard from one of the boyfriends of one of the alleged victims who said he drove not only the, the girl who's uh, a witness in the case uh, to Epstein's mansions for two years straight, drove her there and, and took her to do whatever whatever they did. But he also um, drove lots of her friends there, friends who they recruited, other underage girls. Clearly, um, the term sex trafficking ring uh, is not uh, overused or it's not, in, uh, it's not a stretch to say they were a business, a business of selling young girls into sex to creepy old men. And Gislaine, Jizzy, Galen, however you want to say it. I like to say Jizzy, as you know. <laughs> I like to say Jizzy. <laughs> uh, she's prominently uh, fingered, fingered <laughs> as the person who was really uh, the chief administrator for for the ring. Now, um, they did bring up Mar-a-Lago and meetings at Mar-a-Lago and... Um, some of the victims actually uh, supposedly worked at Mar-a-Lago, and that was verified. Yes, I want to become famous. Somebody wants to sell me. Thank you in the chat room. Somebody wants to sell me uh, followers, and how much do I have to pay? I want um, I want Joe Rogan's numbers of followers. Can I get 30 million followers? What's the price tag on that? Get me a quote. Uh, if you can get me a quote by 9.15, I'll have the check written by 9.20. We'll get on it. Can you do that for me? What? You're not answering now. All of a sudden, you got shy? Come on. Why do people do this? They're on YouTube trying to sell me uh, bots, I guess. And what um, what purpose would that do to, for me to buy followers? I mean, obviously, if they're not interested in the content, if, even if it were humans and not bots, let's say I decided to pay you for followers. Uh, why would they continue to follow? They, they would probably watch the program once and say, I'm not interested in this. Uh, thanks for the money, and I'm gone. And never come back. What's the point in that? It doesn't seem to make any sense, but we, we get people like you every day coming by to try to sell me follows. And I, I notice you're not leaving there. You're, you're still hanging there. Uh, you're waiting for me to write that check? Is that what you're doing there? Anyway, thanks for being there, I guess. Um... What was I saying? Um, so there was evidence of um, one of the girls working at Mar-a-Lago. That, that has been uh, corroborated now in court, uh, tying it all back to Donald Trump. And a lot more names redacted in uh, some of the uh, evidence filings yesterday in the case. So we're probably going to hear a lot about a lot more celebrities 
uh, coming out connected to the Epstein stuff. So that's where we are with that trial. And it's looking like it's going to end. A lot. I was thinking it was going to go on and on. It looks like it's going to end pretty quickly. I think the prosecution is going to rest its case tomorrow and then defense will take over. The Def- defense has nothing. What do they have? Um, they, they have, good morning, Kelly. They have what they came into the trial with. Uh, this is really a uh, an attempt to get Epstein, who's dead, and that's all they got. They have no counter witnesses. They have nobody to counter anything that the government has said. And it looks like uh, she was running this X-wing. She was the chief executive for uh, this organization, if you will, I mean, a lack of any a better way to describe it, that was selling young girls to pervy, skeevy, although rich and powerful, ske- the skeeviest, nerdiest grandpas, pervert old men that the world has got. I mean, imagine being a 13-year-old girl and being forced to have sex with Alan Dershowitz. <laughs> Man, I'd, uh, I'll tell you right now, uh, that's pretty, pretty gross thought. Pretty gross thought. Good morning, uh, Craig. Kelly, uh, Joe Biden's coming to Kansas City today uh, to talk to you. <laughs> Are you going to go listen to him? No, you're going you're gonna to stay at work at the dry cleaners. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't blame you, if you uh, for not going to see him. But I uh, did want somebody to ask Joe Biden a question for me. I want, I want somebody to ask him, who's got uh, worst case of dementia, you or Donald Trump? Just ask that question and just get it on record. Uh, I'm sure he wouldn't answer, but it would be it would be fun to hear somebody ask, ask that question. Uh don't have a guess for you if you're tuning in to uh late today, just or just tuning in. Uh we have somebody in the chat room who's uh trying to sell me uh wanna become famous. Uh <laughs> uh I wanna buy followers and viewers and uh, I told him uh, basically I want to buy Joe Rogan number of followers uh, and get me up a price quote quickly. I got five minutes to get me the quote on get me Joe Rogan type number of followers, and I'll write the check by 915, and we'll get those followers by the end of the day. And uh, I'm not exactly how sure how that even works. What do you go around with one buck each and saying, go follow the dog? Uh, I don't know how you're going to do that. I'm feeling they're not even real human beings. They're uh, bots, but. Speaking of bots, bot, 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 cannabis is on my mind today. A whole lot of reasons, cannabis. Cannabis is on my mind. I got weed on my mind. I wouldn't go for followers even. Uh, cannabis. Okay, uh, so uh, you may not know this, but uh, weed has been legal in New York State, where I am. Since last January, we still can't buy it legally here if, unless you have a medical marijuana card, which they charge you $185 to buy the medical marijuana card, and it, you have to renew it every year. Where does that money go? It goes to the state who legalized buy, uh, marijuana and weed, but you can't buy it anywhere. Now, they cleared a way for us to get our first legal stores in the summer of 2023. Again, it's been legal. With, uh, since January um, and you still can't buy it so you can own it you, you won't get you know you can you can have it you can be in possession of it 
perfectly legal. You can smoke it in public, I guess, even uh, smoke them if you got them, that whole thing. But um, you can't buy it anywhere unless you have a medical marijuana card and you, and you have to pay the state for the med- medical marijuana card. And here's the thing with the medical stuff. You don't really have, you know, you basically make up whatever you want. I got, my ass is itchy. <laughs> I, don't, I haven't tried that one, but that would be a good one. Uh, what, what symptoms do you have? Well, my ass is really itchy. Um, okay. And they will give you the card, no matter what you say. Whatever. I mean, there are states where it's it's legal now and the states that are, where it's not legal. Here's the thing that's really kind of got me. Uh, upset about this and uh, I just found kind of realized it yesterday I knew it was the case but even in New York State where it's now legal and there are many many states now where it's now legal we have people in jail for cannabis related offenses possession we have people in jail for possession and sales of course it was illegal when they got convicted and were sent to jail but they're still in jail and it just seems to me like the chief executive of the state, it's it's decriminalized now federally. So it's not a crime anywhere in the United States now. It's decriminalized federally. It's not a crime. We have over 10,000 people in jail, in prison, for cannabis-related offenses. And no effort to commute those sentences, to pardon those people, let them out of jail, it's injustice, number one. Uh, we, we got some comments in the in the chat room. I'm gonna okay. Uh, Ken Harris says the same with Virginia. I guess uh, same with Virginia, meaning uh, it's legal, but you can't buy it anywhere. I'm guessing that's what you mean by that. Uh, and uh, Kelly says we have medical only here too. Slowly getting dispensaries, but do you have people in jail for it? So obviously, if you have medical, it's completely decriminalized it's got to be decriminalized before you can have medical i would think i don't know that for a fact i shouldn't i shouldn't say that uh but uh what is what is craig saying five hundred dollars in new mexico for a micro grow license up to 100 plants each person get uh, over 21 can grow up to 12 plants yeah you can do that here you can grow your own nearly all cannabis convictions expunged well good for new mexico uh i'm betting i'm gonna bet that there weren't a whole lot of people in prison for cannabis-related offenses in New Mexico, only because the number, sheer number of people in New Mexico is still pretty relatively small, especially for the size of the state. I mean, the entire state of New Mexico has half the population of, or less than half the population of my county. Um, so... Um, but uh, I'm sure they had some of them, and good for New Mexico for being the first to actually expunge uh, records. I'm, I wonder if they've actually let people out of prison. The thing about it, even if you're not a weed smoker and have no dog in the fight here, we're still paying for the people that are in prison. I mean, who pays for them? Who pays their room and board? Who pays? <laughs> it comes out of your tax dollars. Who has the power? I guess so in New Mexico, I guess the state legislature uh, took care of that. But I'm thinking more like on an executive level, like here in New York State, where we have thousands of people still in jail for cannabis related offenses. I would think the governor has the 
ability to commute those sentences at least, not necessarily expunge them or I think that's a court function to go back and now um I guess they have to retry them or the sentence be commuted or how I'm not sure how that happens. But I think the executive uh, chief executive of the state has the right to say, you know, let these people out of jail. Taxpayers stop paying for it. We ease up some of, and not all, you know, we are prison, prison nation, prison uh, based society now with more prison cells than dorm rooms in colleges. Uh, are we ever going to cure, the, fix a uh, prison nation system? Probably not. Uh, but it would definitely ease it up a little bit and move a little bit away from that and move, you know, some of the people who never, never have gone to jail for cannabis-related offensive anyway. It should have been a fine no matter where you are. We know it was um, unequally um, <sighs> expedited. A lot of uh, minorities and poorer people end up going to were the ones who went to prison anyway for those offenses because, you know, uh, public defenders uh, and all that stuff now, and the lawyer you get makes a difference but all of that stuff so the people who went to jail for it were m- most likely poorer minor- minorities to begin with which was injustice but here you are here we are with um, it being legal in many states and still people being in prison for what is now illegal I understand times have changed the laws have changed but when those laws change you have to read it and say the people People who got convicted two years before the law or a year before the law uh, changed, they should still be in prison, in prison for possession of marijuana or even even dealing marijuana. So let's say they were selling it. Now that's different than possession. I agree, and uh, there are. But again, fines should cover that. Uh, we're talking about the only difference is really uh, commerce that was lost, dollars, revenue tax revenue and all that kind of stuff. So if that is a bigger deal. Selling it is a bigger deal. Uh, so what is Kelly saying? I'm sure that uh, nationwide that people in jail for no reason, unfortunately. Yeah, lots of them. Uh, you know, false convictions, all that kind of stuff. Think of the children. I, uh, I, what the, <laughs> I am uh, thinking of the children. Uh, isn't that, uh, we're back to Ghislaine, uh, Jizzy. Um, <laughs> think of the children. <laughs> Listen, now, now you're going to, um, bring me uh, to the next part of my cannabis, uh, rant, I guess for this morning is, uh, this bald headed dope, <laughs> uh, Dr. Phil, who's not even a real doctor. I mean, he's got a PhD. I won't, I'll give him that. He's got a PhD in clinical psychology, but he's not a licensed psychologist. Uh, and most people think he is. He went on to rant, uh, saying, uh, marijuana, not only, uh, rewires your brain as he puts it. Um, it makes you violent. Now there've been studies, lots of studies on this stuff. Uh, <laughs> um, lots of studies I'm, I'm reading the chat room I'm sorry I got distracted there for a minute lots of studies on the, uh, the cannabis doesn't make you 
violent. There's plenty of studies, scientific studies on that. And the data is, is pretty clear. But I don't think we necessarily, and I don't rely on the data. I rely on uh, 50 years of experience with the substance and um, not just the substance, but people who people who are uh, responsible for enforcing security and safety in places. Uh, listen, many years ago, I was at um, Belmont Park for a, a uh, Billy Joel concert in the middle of a, 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 a race day. At the end of the race day, there was going to be a Billy Joel concert at Belmont Park. And we were there smoking weed. And this is 40 years ago, at least 40 years ago, maybe more. And I, I remember two cops walking up to us while while we were smoking weed. And the cops said, no, nah, we were get, like all trying to stash it and stuff. And the cops said, don't worry about that. We're, we're here to keep the peace, the security. And weed doesn't make you uh, rowdy and crazy. Weed mellows you out. We're, you know, we're more concerned about the guys getting drunk because those are the guys who are going to start the fights. Those are the guys who are going to get violent. And that has held true almost all my life in, in places. Uh, I've never seen stoners uh, go out looking for a fight because they were stoned or go out getting more rowdy because they were stoned. I've never witnessed that ever in my life. Uh, <laughs> oh, you guys are having fun in the in the uh, chat room without me. I, I appreciate all this uh banter back and forth but let me in on a joke so, uh so <laughs> um i don't you know experientially there's so much evidence in my life that pot doesn't make you violent but dr phil says it is and now people are uh taking dr phil's word over uh lots of studies and listen tommy chung is 83 years old he's been smoking weed since the late 50s Never heard of him ever punching anybody. <laughs> Bob Marley, dead, but never heard of him. Uh, never heard of him getting involved in a violent crime. The guy was smoking spliffs as big as your arm, big as my legs. <laughs> I mean, you can go on, on and on. People just, you know, weed smoking, weed smoking. No, nobody's, you know, starting wars. Start. I, wa I wonder how many people... Um, was stoned on January 6th, the day of the uh, uh, peaceful protest in Washington, D.C. wonder how many of them were actually uh, drinking a little whiskey, drinking a little beer, all that stuff, whatever. But so now Dr. Phil is the, the authority people are going to uh, rely on on this stuff and, and claim that smoking cannabis makes you violent. He also said... It's like opening up, uh, smoking weed to your brain is like opening up a computer and pouring water inside inside it. But wait, is that a misinformed statement? First of all, if you open up your computer and pour water in it, you're gonna the computer's gonna be useless forever. You're never going to be able to fix it. It's gonna short out. Uh, if you smoke weed. Worst worst case scenario, worst case scenario. Say you have schizophrenia, you're gonna have a bad couple of hours, and then you'll be back to wherever you were before then. Really, kind of a very far fetched analogy there, Doctor Phil. 
And I don't know if you, you know, back to Phil. I'm just, I've been sick of him for oh, many, 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 many years. Just the guy is a pompous asshole, uh, so full of himself. And uh, n- never really liked the guys. Uh, yeah, an overdose. <laughs> Chad says an overdose results in a good nap. Or, uh, and now, I, if you buy into the whole indica sativa stuff, an overdose could uh, result in a lot of creativity if you're picking the sativa. I don't buy into that whole stuff, the uh, indica sativa, <laughs> uh, and the difference between the week. I didn't, I've heard said by so many people, but I buy it. You know, I have a mar- medical marijuana card, and um, they list, you know, sativa and indica. Uh, what is it? It's not strains is the word I'm looking for. But they also have hybrid. And, uh, you know, I get the ones that say sativa, sativa because that's the ones that are supposed to um, – make you more creative, uh, you know, uh, encourage creativity and uh, give you the buzz that you're going to get things done on. And when I get to sativa, that's when uh, I'm ready for a nap. Now, the indica is supposed to be the stuff that get, makes you sleepy and, and relaxed and all that stuff. I get that stuff, and that's when I'm getting more creative. Uh, and it, it doesn't fail. Maybe it's all in my mind because I'm a contrarian. <laughs> maybe maybe I'm just uh, buying the stuff that, that, and expecting it to have the opposite results. But so far, with a year into the medical marijuana card, that's been my experience of the indica sativa stuff. It's backwards, but who knows? Um, it looks like Ken is ready for his uh, stand-up comedy debut. Um I can't lighten up anymore. Oh, Kelly is ready for her uh, uh, stand-up comedy review. Ken's just providing the rim shots for her. <laughs> Anyway, I appreciate you guys actually uh, keeping each other company while I'm just rambling. Thank you very much. Um, coffee. Coffee. Going to have a coffee sponsor any day now. Just waiting for the final... Uh, ends of the be tied up ends of the rope to be tied up here on um man i'm having difficulty even talking today uh but we will have a new coffee sponsor supplying us with some of the best coffee in the world i can't wait to tell you about that um good morning cat um you you picked a a really non uh day to (laughs) to tune in but i appreciate you being here should have been here yesterday red erickson was uh delight great to talk to him uh i always enjoy talking to brett um tuned into his new show the william montgomery show last night which advertises that it's live and brett you know and i'm not saying brett misled us on that <laughs> i'm not saying that uh but i tuned in last night um to the live broadcast wednesday night 9 30 eastern Thinking I was watching a live broadcast, and um, somebody asked Brett, you know, the, the, the conversation went to animals and pets. Somebody said to Brett, you have dogs, don't you? A uh, dog, don't you? And he said, yeah, I was 16. She's great. She's 
16 and a half years old and doing well. Uh, happened to know Brett's dog died last week. So obviously that was not a live program. Uh, it's been pre-taped and they run it as live, which it's not the same thing. But with the the issue I the only issue I have with that is the chat room is filled up just that you know like people chatting here today, and if you, those people think that they're commenting back to what's being said and, and and thinking the hosts are kind of getting their input when they're not. This is so they taped this weeks ago obviously weeks ago because uh brett was talking about how his dog was still doing well not doing that well now uh <laughs> and i didn't spoil it for anybody but at that point i realized well this is not a live program but people were interacting in the chat room as if they were expecting the host to be um uh, reacting understanding what they said in real time and that's not the case so i would advise against that and i think youtube and all the, the streaming people definitely uh advise against that kind of misleading people into thinking that you're doing a live broadcast when you're what you're doing is running a taped broadcast with a live stream now, when I've done that in the past, I have done that two or three times, did it with Paul Provenza, but I'm always very uh, careful to let people know this is not a live program. It's it's a pre-taped program that's being streamed live, which is very different because I don't want to mislead people and have people think that they're asking Paul Provenza, say, a question, and obviously he, he was here a week ago <laughs> or whenever it was, so... You can't be hearing your questions, can't be reading your chat room stuff. I think that, you know, you run a danger of getting people angry at you, feel, making people feel a little foolish, whatever. And you don't, never want to do that from a customer service standpoint in any business. It's kind of make feel people feel like they've been misled somehow. That's my only uh, criticism on that. But Brett was great yesterday. And uh, I, I put together a clip where, because, uh, Craig brought we were talking about John Lennon and Craig um, made the comment that and I'm paraphrasing here as best I can remember is that Lennon's death uh, kind of reinforced the idea that um, art benefit concerts all that kind of stuff singing songs to change the world creating movies and books and films and all that stuff to change the world was a futile exercise uh he said i think it something along the lines like it made him recognize the futility of art music and stuff to change the world and so i thought that's a valid uh thing to talk about my my take on that is uh it's like evolution (laughs) We make minim, minimal uh, improvements that can't be recognized in a lifetime or even ten lifetimes, right? And so, evolution—you can't, you can't see evolution happening. You can't measure it because it happens over thousands of years. And I think when we talk about art and um, its impact on culture and society, we have to kind of almost look at it in the same way. You're not going to, not going to necessarily see any changes in the world 
uh, in the short term. It takes a long time for these things to resonate, to become part of the collective psyche, collective persona of society. And then we start to see changes in very tiny increments. So I posed that question to, to Brett and I, in, in the morning, you know, asking a comedian a deep question in the morning. And I was kind of expecting the, the, the response that I got. He said, wow, you, when you go deep, you go deep. Now, I knew who I was talking to. Brett, you could ask that question up. But there's a lot of comedians that that would be a, a show ender right there. Like, man, I'm, I'm here to be funny, not to kind of think about things. <laughs> what are you doing to me? Uh, but I, I had a, a a good idea that Brett would give me some answer to that question. And his uh, question, his answer sufficed in a little way, you know, basically. Uh, and I, I totally agree with him that some of us who feel like we have nothing, nothing positive to add to society, when we look around and get, Man, and see the world for what it is, and the pessimism, and the thing, the idea that it can feel like the world is getting worse. Especially if you look in the short term and you pay attention to the news, the current news, you can feel like the world is becoming a worse place. You know, it's getting darker. It's getting our problems becoming bigger and more unsolvable. If you take a look at the long term, the bigger picture, though. It's clear that that's not true. What do I mean? Well, what I mean is a uh, thousand years ago, nobody knew what what they were going to eat tomorrow. Nobody had, <laughs> very few people, I should say, had uh, dinner ready and dinner plans for tonight. Dinner meant um, I'm out hunting and whatever I, I get, I'll let you know closer to when we kill something and bring it home. Uh, and a uh, thousand years ago, maybe even less than that or depending on where you are more than that but that whole idea of uh man savagery killing each other you know you can look back 200 years in, in on this continent and uh this was a pretty savage nation uh, you know west of the mississippi especially 150 years ago 200 years ago um it was any man for himself which is why guns were important as part of that culture because it was any man for himself. You needed your own gun for protection. You couldn't rely on the law. There was no, it was, the law was on your gun. So we have, uh, I think we have progressed in a, a, a great way. If we look at overall of where we, where we are in a society. But again, if you look at it in small increments and you look at where we were a year ago, five years ago, and compared to today, it can feel like, wow, we're going backwards humanity is uh, taking several steps back so i you apply that same kind of thought to can art and culture impact society if you look at the long picture the big picture of stuff i think you can see it, it's a little bit brighter than the short term uh you know expecting john london to sing uh, war is over if you want it and thinking that it that might actually uh end the vietnam war if we look at that in true perspective, and I'm not saying Lennon's song uh, in particular, but all the things that were going on in the art and culture world, world uh, during the Vietnam War, you can definitely make the case 
that art and culture had a great deal, a, a lot to do with ending the Vietnam War. Uh, you can start with Bob Dylan and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But the the grassroots movement, that uh, anti-war movement that happened in America did not happen in a vacuum. It didn't happen without, you know, protests that came from artists riling people up over it. Music, movies, books, art, all of it comes together in small pieces to help society um, formulate its own its own initiatives towards change. And so, you know, if we look, and here it is again, I'm saying you can't look at it in a week, but if we look back 40, 50 years, we can see that Art and culture, uh, art and all the pop culture and all the stuff that was being produced definitely had some effect on civil rights movement, uh, Vietnam War ending, all that stuff. Did it, Can you say it definitively caused the ending of the war? No, but it certainly lent uh, to the temperature of uh, the mass opinion about the war and all that stuff. So that was... Uh, the big biggest takeaway from yesterday's discussion with Brett is that whole idea of, and I thanked uh, Craig for it, planting that seed, the idea that, you know, things can have changed. Now, moving on, I guess. Should I open the phone lines? Why? Nobody's going to call anyway. Uh, I was supposed to have a comedian guest on uh, today who was not going to show, so uh, might end up ending this uh, at the hour mark. I sh- should probably play the sponsor uh, part piece right now. Just because I know if I don't, I'll hear from them. If I do, I'll never hear from them. And they never they never say thanks for playing the sponsorship, uh, playing our ad this morning. But the, the one time I forgot, I got an email at like, Five after ten or whatever it was. I was doing the show eight to eight to ten. Five after ten, I got emails. In. Um, hold off just a minute on playing the, the spot. Yesterday, I was talking about the cult <laughs> with Brett, the Barbara Brennan School of Healing. I'm convinced. I'm convinced that the phones are listening. The phone is and reporting me back to some big database. I'm talking about Barbara Brennan School of Healing, and all of a sudden I go on Facebook, and right at the top of my feed is the picture of a workshop, a big poster with a picture of the book for the school for Barbara Brennan School of Healing. Now, why would that come up? I mean, nobody ever sees that shit. It's such an obscure thing. I'm and even I, who worked there 35, 30 years ago. 25 to 30 years ago, uh, should not have any association with that in the mind of Facebook. I haven't listed that as a past place of where I worked or any of that kind of stuff. So to see that right after I'm talking about it, and it happens quite often. I mean, uh, my wife and I are in discussion about some home improvement thing that we've never talked about before. And all of a sudden, just quickly, boom, like that, it pops up at the top on our feed. Now, I know your phone's always uh, listening to you, and I can I think I can prove that. Um, hey, Siri. See, the phone comes up. Phone came on. 
my phone was off. And I say, hey, Siri, and she comes right on. And now she's asking me questions. Sorry, I missed that. Could you say it again, please? Sure. Siri, what data are you collecting on me? Got an answer for that? Siri. Huh. She's not saying anything. She's. Let me try this again. I'll bring the volume up in case. Hey, Siri. What data are you collecting on me? I'm not sure I understand. I'm saying you're spying on me, you bitch. Hey, Siri. Are you spying on me? No. Yeah, that's what I thought you'd say. Uh, how come... <laughs> it's like I can't have a conversation with her. <laughs> hey, Siri, are you a cop? Hey, Siri, are you a cop? I'm genderless, like cacti and certain species of fish. Yeah, wow, you're genderless like cacti and certain species of fish. Now, what's with all that noise, Siri? Siri, how come we're, we're making a lot of noise here? Hey, Siri. Hey, Siri. Hello, Matthew. Yes. Well, only my mother calls me Matthew. Thank you. My, my friends call me Matt or Doug. You don't care about that? Hey, Siri. Are you a bitch? I won't respond to that. Uh, I figured that. Well, I know she's always listening was my point. <laughs> I'm not going to continue to do that. Yeah, Siri's, uh, Siri is reporting me somehow. She says she's not listening, and uh, says when I ask her about collecting data, oh, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> well, if that isn't a predictable response, uh, Android or uh, Galaxy phones, do they? Ha oh, they don't have uh, Siri, but they have something like Siri, right? Is it Alexa? Because uh, I have a feeling Alexa is doing the same thing. I got Alexa for as a gift from a company I used to work for, and I, I didn't want it because I thought, well, that shit's going to be listening to me. Anyway, I have a feeling uh, Siri is definitely listening to me. And I brought that up because of the cult stuff. That I was talking about the cult yesterday. And then all, all of a sudden, the Barbara Brennan School of Healing, which was the cult I was referring to, uh, stuff pops up on my Facebook. Uh, and it's about their... 41st anniversary happening now, 41st anniversary as a university, a college uh, in, I guess their U.S. home base is in Fort Lauderdale now. I know they, they have a home base in uh, Vienna also now, They which wasn't part of it when I was uh, part of it. But so all of a sudden... Uh, Chat, chat saying Amazon, Apple, Apple, Google, everybody is listening. But uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. But on the on the phones for the Android phones, I because I, I've never had one. I'm just curious. They don't have Siri, but do they have Alexa or what is their you know equal equivalent app uh, on on Android? Does it work the same way? I mean, my phone is off, and if I say, "Hey Siri," Oh, it's not coming on now. It was. 
and it, it has uh, last night it was all time if i just said hey siri it would come on hey siri oh she's not she's ignoring me definitely a woman um <laughs> hey siri are you ignoring me because you're a woman I am very definitely a woman, and I enjoy it. Wow. Seriously. That's what it just said. Now it went away. I wanted to show you that because you probably didn't believe me that it said Android is Google. Okay. And Google is Alexa. <laughs> I'm just saying the, the voice recognition thing in the phone. What's what's the app called? Uh, just so I could... I can ask my friends to test it out and see if they get the same kind of stuff. If, did you call her names? <laughs> no. I, well, I did call her a bitch just to see if she <laughs> But she said she won't react. I do not respond to that, which is absolutely. She's ignoring me. Of course she's a woman. She's ignoring me. That, you don't need any more evidence than that. <laughs> um, anyway. So, yeah, all these apps are listening to us, and the stuff about the cult, now the cult has experienced its 41st anniversary, coincidentally. I guess they started the university the same day Lennon got killed. That was 41 years ago yesterday. Yesterday, they were celebrating their 41st anniversary as a university in their home in, I want to just say South Florida, Fort Lauderdale, Boca Raton, wherever the hell they're based out of now. And I told the story about uh, to Brett and somebody, somebody who a friend of mine who was listening yesterday said the story about uh, Barbara doing uh, battle with Satan was that real? I, I, all I can tell you is what she said. <laughs> no, do I believe that Satan came to her house and to steal her baby? Um, Obviously not. I mean, you'd have to be pretty fucking crazy to even consider that. <laughs> uh, oh, bathroom breaks with old men hitting on me, picking up shirts. Uh oh, uh-uh. well, I could see why that would happen. Old men are um, bad characters. Bad characters. Very disrespectful to to young ladies. <laughs> I happen to know because I am one. I am an old man, so I can I can relate. I understand. Um, you know, where was I now? I was talking about uh, oh, doing battle with Satan. The story, as related uh, to me by Barbara, was dead on accurate. What she told us, she um, basically said that Satan came to steal her baby, and she put on her spiritual armor and did battle with Satan. <laughs> And sent Satan running, uh, running out of the room, like and crying, like for his mama. Exactly what she said, and believed it. And twelve hundred adults, not just adults, but lawyers, doctors, academics, who paid her twenty thousand uh, dollars a week to learn from her, had no problem believing that. Completely, 100%, everything Barbara said was true. Even the part about doing battle with Satan and sending him running out of the room crying for his mama. 
that's all I I can say about that. I mean, there will be more cult stories to come, but just the fact that that alone, and that people can drop their critical thinking ability at 100% to believe in a story like that. Hey, Alexa, play Sean Roos. No, I don't have Alexa. Uh, does it, did that work, Craig? Did all of a sudden Sean come on? <laughs> that would that would be... Uh, I think that's the way it works, though. Um, I use Google on my Android. Alexa is only for music, in my opinion, but... Now, I've seen people ask Alexa all sorts of questions for, you know, how do you uh, ask her math problems? I know uh, Kat was dealing with a <laughs> a math problem on uh, Twitter this morning or social media somewhere. Could have just said Alexa uh, uh, and ask her basically to find a solution for you. I've had friends who do that all the time. Uh, friends who look up stuff. Now, I will say Siri's not that good. If I said, hey, Siri, what are you, ignoring me completely now? What, are you mad at me? Hey, Siri, who is Brett Erickson? You're not going to talk to me at all. I got to do this. Hey, Siri, who is Brett Erickson? No, I don't want to call Brett Erickson. No, no, don't do that. I asked you who he was. No, don't call him. No. I don't want to fucking call him, you idiot. <laughs> no, she won't answer that. Now, if that was Alexa, uh, Alexa would have would have uh, given me at least a buy. I want to find a, a um a Wikipedia page or something and read read something. Now, uh, what I got when I asked that the other night uh, was some philosopher, uh, 17th century philosopher by the name of Brett Erickson. <laughs> uh, so Alexa is much better than Siri at some of this stuff. Hey, Siri, Alexa is better than you. I offer no resistance uh, to helpful assistance. <laughs> You suck as an assistant, I got to tell you. Apple needs to uh, go back to the drawing board with this bitch. (laughs) Well, anyway, I'm sorry for being derogatory in my language and calling her a bitch, but you can see how she treats me. Anyway, you can ask Alexa anything, but I keep her off uh, my Echo Dot because she does listen right, and I think they're always listening, which is the part that was an eye-opener for me because I thought, you actually had to have, turn something on to do that or actually have your phone enabled. But I can have it there in sleep mode. And as soon as I say, or it was working, that's why now I think she's ignoring me. Definitely been con- consulting with my wife on how to piss me off. Anyway. Um, but the spying on, on people is definitely pre- prevalent and still going on and very unsettling. And, you know, not so bad when it's for ads. It doesn't really bother me for when it's for ads. But how much other stuff are they actually paying attention to that you're saying and cataloging on you about 
whatever you say. When Amazon crashed the other day, my house went stupid. I had physically flip switches. <laughs> yeah, I have a, a smart house. Well, good for you. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, speaking of the Amazon crash the other day, holy crap, but I almost have a fucking stroke. It was a couple of days ago, two days ago, I think, that AWS went down to Amazon Web Services, and they power a lot of shit, a lot of stuff. So I was, that morning, I was talking about, I can't, uh, good news, that my audio downloads on the, on the audio version of the podcast were through the roof for the last two and a half weeks. Like, uh, stuff where I was used to getting 30,000 downloads per episode where, uh, per week, well, each episode was now over 50,000. Like, whoa, all of a sudden, I don't know what I did to cause that. And that same day, as I went to publish uh, the, the daily interview stuff, and I looked and my number said, uh, daily downloads today, which I'm used to seeing several thousand, uh, said 117. I was like, what the fuck? What did I do? Did I piss people off uh, completely to have that many people just unsubscribe or just stop listening, uh, people who obviously download every single day just decided, fuck him. And I was like, I was panicking. I was like, what the fuck did I do? Uh, I pissed that many people off going back and looking at, listening to the morning program. And now only after uh, an hour of panic did somebody tell me, oh, the reason is because Amazon Web Services was down for a number of hours and you lost all those downloads. Look again now. And sure enough, as soon as they got it resolved, downloads were back to normal and streams were back to normal. But it was a very scary moment. They should tell you, you should get a notification as soon as that happens if you're a content creator. So you don't uh, slice your wrists up. Anyway, I've been talking for long enough. I have to really... Uh, play the sponsorship piece because I know uh, if I don't um, they're going to be writing to me saying why not dude why not and oh, of course now uh, my computer's not going to let me <laughs> so, <laughs> I really need to hire uh, somebody uh, oh two fire stuff no that's not the one is it I need to hire a, a technical assistant quickly pronto Wait, let's see. Uh, what's going on? I wait. My new director is is at, in the control room right now. Uh, what's going on? Uh, how come I can't find my sponsorship? Oh my God! Lighten up! I'm working on it, my dog. Okay, uh, a little bit young there, intern. Um, uh, she obviously she's not all that experienced, but this is what we can get. This is what I can afford to pay for. Uh, that's my help. Uh, I don't even know her name. Nice kid, though. Uh, got it from the Ep Epstein School of uh, Directors. I'm struggling here. I got to find that sponsorship piece, man. And it's not. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm wrong again. See, this is why I need a technical uh, director here. I got the bear piece. What about the fucking bear piece? I don't want the bear piece. <laughs> Oh, I definitely need help. Uh, True Fire, where are you? That's the uh, True Fire Long. These are intros, though. I don't want the intros. I want the ads. All right. True Fire, intro, 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 intro. I really apologize for me being a total 
loser on this, folks. I am a total loser on this, though. I feel terrible about myself, my self-confidence. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to play... I'm going to play the intro and just cut it off at the end of that to file. This episode is brought to you by Truefire. Do you want to learn guitar or improve your playing? Are you stuck in a rut and unable to take your playing to the next level? Truefire has your solution. guitar players worldwide learn, practice, and play with TrueFire. Our learning tools and massive library of video lessons will ignite your technical skills, harmonic knowledge, rhythm playing, and soloing chops. Progress faster with private one-on-one instruction, group lessons, multi-track video jams, live streams, song lessons, student forums, TrueFire's riff magazine, premium jam tracks, and much, much more. Grab your guitar and ignite your musicality. Sign up free for an all-access trial today. Click the link in the description to find out more. Is everybody ready for the... Now, we are going to do the intro for the Mind Dog, the Magnificent program. Thank you very much. Uh, click the link that's in the uh, description. Got to find that True Fire spot that doesn't have the intro tied to it for my regular show. Um, tonight, I have, at 8 p.m., guy named Robert Heskey, who is uh, the host of uh, Afraid of Nothing uh, podcast. Uh, I was just going to say, hey, Tams, I'm sorry to, to say <laughs> Yes. Um, you know, uh, and speaking of uh, uh, what's going on in the chat room there, hard time buying, uh, people had a hard time buying $2,500 Adele ticket, $2,500? Uh, wow, man. Uh, but Ken Harris is saying, I was going to say terms of service, uh, did uh, Ghislaine Jizzy uh, help you find her, my my um, new director assistant there, my intern working uh, behind the scenes. Um, yesterday, chat room, I noticed uh, after going back to publish uh, or to create that short clip for, from the bread thing, that the chat room was actually censoring a lot of comments that I had to go back and approve so they don't make it to the live stuff. So I might not be seeing stuff. If you're saying stuff that has a lot of profanity in it in the chat room, I guess they hold that for me to moderate and go back and approve it. Now, I can't do that in a live program. He was probably saying, what the fuck is he holding there? Uh, <laughs> uh, so uh, we lost a lot of comments yesterday that I didn't know people were saying until a, a lot of them. I probably had to approve, I would say, 15 of them that I did not see because Google or YouTube or whatever, Google, YouTube, the same thing, uh, whoever is algorithm is in charge of that, decides that what you're saying is uh, questionable and hold it for moderation. I, there's got to be a way around that. I don't want to moderate anybody. Let anybody say whatever the fuck they want in the chat room. Hey, Siri. <laughs> oh, you're on. How do I tell YouTube uh, not to moderate my live stream comments? Oh, really? Uh, you're giving, it's giving me a bunch of links to, to check out. What I'm holding in my hand now is raw. 
Raw cone. I don't know if you probably don't have a lot of reefer smokers in, in my audience, but if you are a guy who smokes weed or a gal who smokes weed, all my life, I've, I've been a paper guy. I've never been a pipe guy. I used a little bamboos, little bamboos. But they at the weed store, the medical marijuana store where I go, they give you these things now uh, with every order. And it puzzles me because it's for rolling. Well, obviously, they're rolling papers, but they come like this. Now, I guess you're supposed to load it in, hand load weed in there and kind of pack it in and all that just doesn't seem like the right way to roll marijuana if you ask me and it comes with this little filter gizmo in the end like who needs a fucking filter man the whole idea is you smoke it down till you burn your fingers paul schaefer did that when uh hippies who are you calling hippies you fbi fed you you uh, can can <laughs> can Harris is calling hippies? I don't know who he's calling hippies. Me uh, or um, or weed smokers in general. <laughs> I do it. Uh, obviously, I have a medical condition that requires it. It's called being bored. <laughs> I'm not laughing enough. This is my medical condition. Anyway, with with that stuff. Um, and and I talk about the filters. When I uh, worked with Paul Schaefer, and I didn't work with him a lot, I knew him for about three days. Worked on a music project back uh, in the very first season of Late Night with David Letterman. Paul Schaefer uh, was known to me from his time on Saturday Night Live. I wasn't yet a like a very well known uh, person in you know general since uh first season of, of uh letterman we were working on a music project together and i asked him if he wanted to go out and get high <laughs> and we went out and smoked a joint and basically it was three of us me and this guy dana and and paul Schaefer. and i rolled a joint of this really expensive weed at the time and uh i took a hit passed it to dana and he passed it to paul and Paul smoked it down until his fingers practically burnt. <laughs> we never got it back. So I rolled another one. I took a hit, passed it to Dana, and he passed it to Paul. And Paul smoked it down until again there was nothing there. I was like, "Wow, this is a, this is how this is going to go." I bet so. I better take a few hits before I pass the joint because I guess he thinks whenever it gets to him, that's the end. that's as far that's where he where the train ends. But it just surprised me that uh, he would smoke it down to literally. Where I would be like, ow, you can't smoke it anymore. The guy, uh, he, I guess he was uh, born with a built-in roach clip in his fingers or something. I don't know. It's a very, uh, more uh, more smokers here than you think. Well, I just don't like to presuppose anything. I, I know Ken Harris has uh, never smoked weed. He probably had a, a, a daily piss test where he worked. And those cones suck. Yeah, they do suck. Uh, how how are you supposed to? Don't listen to the Fed. <laughs> oh, we're gonna start a fight in the in the chat room now. Um, no, I mean, how are you supposed to get those cones to work anyway? I'm wearing bell bottom jeans now. Oh yes, I love that. Yes, it does make you a hippie, and I dig that. Bell bottoms, bell bottoms back. I you know, bell bottoms were the big thing when I was in junior high school. Only the bad kids were allowed to. 
junior high school. Only the bad kids who were going to grow up to be hippies were uh, wearing bell bottoms, and you had to actually fight your parents. A big thing, like long hair was not acceptable then. Even you know, I'm talking 1969. So, um, but you know, very few kids had long hair, uh, and bell bottoms were the were the second. Uh, one random test in 32 years. Okay, and that's that's pretty surprising because I had more than that when I was at Cablevision for five years. <laughs> I, I think we had I think we had like random tests. I think I must must have had one a year at least while I was there. So FBI is, more, is uh, I guess they trusted you, or they could just tell that you aren't stoned. I don't know. Uh, uh, your boyfriend was so happy, got him half off Black Friday. I bet you'll be even happier when you get them all off. Oh, but boom! Come on, where's my rim shot for that, Ken? Um. <laughs> Yeah, women's pants half off. Uh, I get it. Uh, I would be happy too. But uh, again, happier if they're all off. Anyway, uh, bell bottoms, very cool in my opinion. Bell bottom blues, uh, I know there's a lot of anti Eric Clapton sentiment in the world. Bell bottom blues is still one of the, the best classic rock songs of all time. Uh, <laughs> uh oh, we have somebody who is a fan of. Uh, the Big Bang Theory <laughs> in the in the chat room, I guess. Bazinga. I mean, where else would that come from? I have been accused of being a Sheldon like character by many people. Uh just because I don't I don't really you know, socially uh in one on one situations I'm not very obviously obviously I don't have to tell you. I don't have much of a filter. And generally say whatever I think, whenever I think. Tip your waitress, Doug, will be here all morning. <laughs> I don't know if I'll be here all morning. This is the thing. I'm already out of things to say, and it's only 10, 10 o'clock. I'm supposed to go to 11. I don't know why. It's not like I have a boss telling me I have to go to 11. I could end this anytime. I want. I could just hit the button and be gone. But I'm not going to do that because I love hanging out with you people. And I got, to be honest with you, I don't have anything better to do in the morning. I would be sleeping. I would be dreaming about nonsense and shit. Yesterday, um, Doug Stanhope and Andy Andrews and Paul Provenza uh, were on the uh, Anthony Cumia, Anthony Cumia, formerly of Opie and Anthony show. I could not watch it I because it was beyond a paywall, and I won't give Anthony Cumia a penny. For any of his content ever, uh, Anthony Cumia is a guy I vehemently <laughs> dislike. Uh, a, a heavy amount of dislike, not only uh, just political stuff. I mean, he, I think he's just a, a an elitist, uh, far right nut job. Uh, you know, he's been known to. Uh, He's been known to to be pretty racist in in some of his uh, rants and stuff, but that that's not the reason I don't like him. My dislike for him goes back to the very beginning. Well, a lot of people, you know, if you're not a local person, you wouldn't know this. When I first started in radio, uh, I was going for a job at a station called WBAB, uh, which is uh, part of uh, Babylon Radio in here in Long Island, New York. But, 
and I was going for a job, and the other candidate who was going for the same thing, it was a nighttime job. Uh, nighttime, a, not not overnight shift, but a, um, I think it was eight to midnight shift. And the guy who was going for the job, uh, they were looking for somebody because shock rock was, shock jocks were the thing in the morning. And you had Howard Stern doing great. Howard Stern had just moved over to FM from being fired from WNBC AM here in New York. And and he was becoming syndicated and becoming a national name. And they were looking for people doing that. And I was up against uh, a guy named uh, Greg Hughes, who... Uh, was calling himself Opie. And uh, so he got the job, and I didn't get the job. And Opie sucked. Uh, Opie was trying to be Howard Stern, but he wasn't funny. He was uh, doing the shocks, uh, calling up uh, uh, girls and asking them to, to play with themselves on the phone, on on uh, the radio, and you know, trying to be Howard Stern. But he didn't have the talent or... Um, comedic sense that Howard Stern had. So he was failing big time. And um, I I was offering something that was not that. And so I didn't get the job. But uh, a couple of weeks in, I think the brass started to figure out, this guy, uh, all he has is shock, and he's not very funny. So he started thinking about getting uh, some comedic help. And Anthony used to call into his program quite often. And, and he it was funnier than Opie, but he still wasn't that funny. Somehow, when they went to WNEW here in New York, uh, I don't know how they even got that job. Because, again, he was failing. I, and I could see, at that time, people still listened to uh, radio when they were out at night, you know, terrestrial radio. They'd be driving around, going if you're going clubbing or whatever. Young people who would listen to WBAB at the time where Opie was working, they would uh, tune in just because they were going from one place to another and happened to be on the car because nobody had CD players in their cars yet. <laughs> and nobody had, uh, obviously, um, satellite radio. Podcasting wasn't a, a thing. So people turned on the radio, and that's all there was on Long Island. So he had some listenership, but I think people were figuring out pretty quickly that this guy's not funny. He's not Howard Stern. Somehow, uh, he got offered a job at WNEW, which was one of the biggest rock stations ever in the history of rock and roll radio, and got the morning slot there. Like, wow, I guess when Scott Muni died or whatever. Uh, but he, he was failing there, too. So eventually he hired Anthony Cumia. And Anthony Cumia uh, pronounced himself uh, a, a comedian at that point. He went from basically being a guy calling in a radio show who got lucky to get hooked up with a guy who uh, had a failing who was uh, trying to be a comedian on the radio, which just wasn't funny. And so, you know, got really lucky, but then turns his nose up on other people, uh, other people who were working for their success, and rather than having it just fall into the lap of lucky break. And so, on a personal level, I've never liked Anthony Cumia. So, Stan Hope and Andy and Paul Provenza were on there. I guess, I can't, I don't know this for a fact, but I because it was the three of them, uh, I would assume they were promoting the upcoming documentary about Andy's abuse, 
We haven't heard about it. Have you heard about it? I know we have some uh, issues with Andy uh, listeners in the audience, and we have uh, people who listen to, to uh, Stanhope's podcast about it. Have you heard anything about the documentary? I mean, I talked to Paul Provender about it. I talked to Andy about it. None of them gave me a date, but they seemed to me. Now, I, I don't know what was said because, again, I'm not going to give Anthony Cumbia a penny because I don't like the guy. Uh, I would love to hear that interview. Did anybody listen to that interview and know uh, what they talked about? And, uh, and and is there a planned date for that uh, documentary to come out? This is this is the curiosity for me. And the other curiosity for me, now I know, again, I talked about the political stuff, political leaning. Cumia would love to change his name to Trump. Paul Provenza, 180 degrees in the opposite direction. I think Andy's probably 120 degrees in the opposite direction. Uh, Stanhope, well, I don't even know where his politics are. I don't know. I don't even think he has politics. But uh, it's just curious to me how they could possibly talk in an hour or more on the radio or on the internet, whatever, wherever it happened to be, and not let any political differences come into that conversation. That's got to be a trick. Uh, the very curious thing. So I just kind of asked Andy quickly about that. He said, no, they stayed on topic, which means they didn't talk about politics at all. How do you do it? In today's day and age, how do you have a long-term conversation with anybody without touching on anything remotely political? Because I guarantee you, remotely political uh Kumia and Provenza, I mean, you can't get two people who are farther apart politically than those two guys. You have Anthony Kumia, who is all the way on. He, he would have been in, at, at January 6th if he could have been, without a doubt. He's defending that those people. He uh, he worships the ground Kyle uh, Rittenhouse was. <laughs> I mean, you can't get more of a right-wing guy than Anthony Cumia. And you can't get more of a, a, a left-wing guy than Paul Provenza, in my view. I mean, and I admire Paul a lot, but, I mean, let's call it, he's very, uh, and he's always been, this isn't new for him. He's always been very far to the left politically. But he uh, manages to uh, maintain relationships and friendships with people who are diametrically opposed. Great skill if you can do it. I, and I admire that completely. I can't do it. I mean, uh, I try. Try to. I would not try for for somebody like Anthony Kumia because I never liked him to begin with. But it, it, that transcends politics and all that stuff. I would try my best to, and I do have friends who are Trumper friends, big time. I mean, lifelong friends. But uh, I will definitely. Uh, articulate the reasons why I uh, am completely opposed to Donald Trump and his brand of uh, conservatism because I don't think it's conservative at all. I can, I could definitely coexist with uh, the, even the forest right wing stuff that isn't Trumpism. Trumpism changed conservatism in a big way for me. And, and in terms of the party and all that stuff, because there is no, there is no ideology with Trumpism. It's all really self-serving stuff for him. It, it, it always was, and, and they, you know, I know people don't see that. People who follow him 
don't see that he he's just saying whatever he wants to to please the the the, the audience that is directly in front of him at the moment. Anyway, just curious if anybody caught that. If anybody actually did pay the money to Anthony Cumia to see that uh, interview yesterday, I would be curious at what they really talked about and was um, anything this you know any date firm date about this documentary uh, discussed or when it might be out. I can't imagine they would have that with the three of them there if it wasn't some promotion for the documentary film. And I can't imagine they would do a promotion for it without having any kind of release date in mind. Uh, Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, Yeah. Oh, okay. So it says they talked about the doc. So, okay, thank you, Kelly, for that. Now, uh, if they talked about it, I'm guessing uh, what is Linda saying? Good morning, Linda. I don't believe you've been with us before. Thank you for for joining us uh, on this morning program. Thank you. Uh, I'm a little bit of this and a little bit of that. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. But mostly, I believe politics media is about controlling. Obviously, I think you're absolutely right. All all political agendas are about control of some some point. That's why, which is why I... I'm a complete independent and don't, I hate parties. I hate parties, but you know, I'm here I am with a broken record again. been saying for many years that the two party system is the problem with America. And then I realized uh, there's something a lot worse and that's a one party system. Uh, <laughs> we need more parties, even though I hate parties. It, I know it sounds like an inconsistent thing to say. Uh, I hate political parties because they encourage you not to think. It's the whole idea behind a platform. A platform, uh, a political platform that a party establishes, basically the whole purpose of that is to say, don't think we're going we're gonna to write down all the things we want you to believe in, want you to say, want you to uh, accept as dogma. We're going to lay that out for you. So you don't have to think. You just go get your little medical marijuana, lay on the couch and get stoned, and we'll write down all the talking points for you and all the things we want you to believe. That's what what political parties are. That's what political systems are. So for me to say we need more of that, but more of that is better than less of that. Uh, only when it comes down to the fact that when there's only one left standing, when there's only one party, look at the history of that. I mean, you have the Soviet Union with the Communist Party. You have um, Nazi Germany with the Nazi Party. Um, Cuba with the Communist Party. You know, whenever you have just one party in charge, China, North Korea, when one party controls everything, Things get really ugly fast. I mean, you look at life in North Korea today. Who would want to? Who would choose to live in North Korea if they if they had that choice? Uh, very few people. Uh, we need more Bernie Bernie Sanders and Katie Porter. Oddly enough, uh, shocked yesterday. Uh, Rand Paul uh, talking about what was he talking about now? I don't even remember the issue, but Bernie Sanders got up right immediately after following him and said that he agreed with Rand Paul. He was in the uncomfortable and un, 
uh, usual position of finding himself in complete agreement with Red Ball. And I thought, wow, that that should that's a, the day the earth stood still. Bernie Sanders and Rand Paul agreeing on something. Holy, and I don't, can't even remember what the issue was because I was just so shocked by the fact that they actually agreed on something. Um, yeah, no, I, I got, I got why, why you said that. Uh, uh, and you know what? It's hard. It's really hard uh, in politics. I recognize that if you, most people, I can't say that it's a blanket statement like everybody who gets into it, but most people who get into politics sincerely believe in a cause and and think um, believe in their ideology and get into it with the best of intentions of creating a world that's better for everybody, not not just to serve. Um, corporate interest and money interest and all that stuff. But the minute you get into it, the corruption starts. The very second, you, even before you ever run for your first office, even if it's county assemblyman or town council, any of this stuff, the corruption starts over who you got to serve to get what vote and whose ass you got to kiss and which back you have to scratch and all this kind of shit starts happening at that level. You're just running for a county janitor or something. <laughs> and all of us, immediately, you're introduced to whose dick you have to suck to get on the ballot. Uh, and then it just gets worse from there. So by the time you're in Congress or a senator, now AOC, somebody like her, she didn't have to go through that. She just bypassed all that, you know, running for town council and went directly to Congress. And uh, she went there with big ideas of standing up to her own party, even. And we saw that uh, and how Nancy Pelosi did not appreciate that at all. Now, Pelosi is older than fucking Mick Jagger. (laughs) It's time for people, anybody older than Mick Jagger needs to get out of politics now. Uh, we need to have some kind of age limit on this stuff. I mean, seriously. I mean, I understand that it takes a while to learn the job, uh, but 80 years old, go fucking retire. I mean, you're rich. The only thing they're holding on to that power for, that position, is for power. That, you know, the political system's broken in so many ways. But where I was going with that, Rand, is by the time you get to Congress or the Senate, You've been corrupted many, many years over uh, in every possible way, so it becomes a way of life. You're now institutionalized as a mobster-type criminal. You're in the life, and there is no getting out of it. As much, even if you best of it, and so even Bernie Sanders, because he has been part of the, the Democratic Party, he's part of that. As much as, you know, he might be one of the better ones right now with uh, regard to um, trying not to let, he's got PAC money coming into him. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, I, I I get, Kelly saying I like Bernie, so sue me. I don't say, I'm not saying don't like Bernie. Um, uh, interesting. A lot of people don't like Bernie for the same reason they, they don't like me. 
<laughs> it's just a New York accent, the old man, the gr- uh, grumpy old man act. Uh, and uh, Bernie's from, uh, he's a Vermont uh, senator, but um, he's definitely still got a lot of, a lot of New York in him. Uh, and that, you know, I can appreciate that if you're not from here, just the way we talk, um, the harshness of it all can really piss people off and put people against you, even before, even if they agree with you, um, sometimes, you know, just your general demeanor in life. If you're a New Yorker, uh, cat, you with me, <laughs> uh, she probably, she's probably gone, but, um, yeah, um, so I, you know, even the best of them now, it's hard to keep that idea of I'm I'm for the people, not for the corporations. I'm I'm for the people, not the political parties. Uh, I think, to her credit, <laughs> this is why AOC is so hated because you you try to rationalize where. The right wing just hates her guts so bad. Like, she's the enemy, the poster child for GOP hate. Uh, Alexandria uh, uh, Octavia Cortez. She's the poster child for GOP hate. But what has she done to make them hate her so much? She proposed a Green New Deal. Uh, something that was a workable, I mean, are you... An incomplete and amendable idea. I'm going to bring some fresh new ideas to the table. How dare you bring fresh new ideas? We are against fresh new ideas. You're, just the audacity of bringing that up. They had to at- attack her like a uh, stupid uh, freshman uh, congressman. How dare she? And then her own party, uh, because she does not sign on to everything that they propose. Her own party even goes against her a lot of time. I like that. I like the fact that you can go against your own party. You don't put party first. You put your principles first. Now, could you be wrong? Sure, you could be wrong and be open to uh, learning about the stuff. Um, Kat says she doesn't have any accent. Uh, I don't have an accent, man. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate that. I don't have one either. Um. Oh, uh, thank you for the uh, comment. You definitely look a little younger than Bernie by a hundred years, at least. <laughs> uh, not today. I don't. Um, I need. I need to shave. <laughs> I got up. I got up too late to shave the gray, but I. I will before tonight's program. Um, it's hard to lose a New York accent once you know. Once you got it, I've lived uh, in a lot of different places, lived in California, lived in New Mexico, lived in Florida. Each one of those places, I started to kind of adapt their accent for a little bit. But as soon as I get back to New York, it it kind of fades pretty quickly. Uh, We all grow and learn. It's a human thing. Fang, fang. Now, that's definitely a New York uh, thing to say. Um, we all grow and learn. Yes, we do. Uh, it's hard for me to be forgiving 
of the politicians who get into the system, who not only, you know, being corrupted by it, human nature, I agree. Where human nature is uh, that where you can actually be, uh, we're all susceptible to being corrupted. The people that, you know, really make you angry or make me angry, which, uh, and I hold on to this resentment, are people who actually embrace the corruption. It's one thing to hear a politician who you disagree with on principle laying out something, but you know they truly believe in what they're saying, even though you disagree with them, rather than uh, opposed to somebody who you know doesn't believe what they're saying, but it's actually willfully, intentionally lying to you and distorting the truth for the sake of their party agenda. And this is what's happening more and more. So there is this difference. We've lived forever in diametrically opposed party systems. The two-party system are people who believe different things. Uh, Bernice Bishop, uh, I only speak English. I'm sorry. I don't know what Vashtek means. Uh, but thanks for the comment. Uh yeah, you, you you know what I'm talking talking about, Linda. Uh, yeah. Now, Ted Cruz is a perfect example uh, of this. Um, Ted Cruz claimed to have values and principles about conservative values and principles, but he, he definitely will sell those out in a heartbeat if the party says so or if it, it's going to serve him to stay in office for whatever reason, he will, you know, go against him, his own beliefs constantly. And you know that he doesn't believe the lies he's telling you. You know he knows better. He can look you directly in the eye and say something false, demonstrably false, as if he actually believes in it. That. That's not human nature. That's when you've been corrupted to the point where you become you've accepted evil into your heart, <laughs> and and um, uh, through osmosis, it's become kind of part of your being now. Uh, Rafael Cruz, <laughs> uh, somebody, big fan of Bernice. Keep up the good work. Uh, why? What, what do you know? What that means? Oh, who is Bernice Bishop? Tell me. What? What do you mean, big fan of? Tell me. Who am I missing? Something, or are you just uh, joking with me again? I don't know. I'm not a smart man. Yeah, you have to enlighten me. Is what was that a series? Uh, I'm Bernice, uh, and Bernice, are you still there? Uh, if you speak English, can you kind of? Uh, can you, <laughs> for me, explain what that comment was about? And Ken, if you're really a fan of Bernice, who is she? Explain Somebody explain this shit to me, man. You know I'm a newbie around here. I don't know this shit. And I'm not a smart man to begin with. Anyway, uh, it's a one hour and a half in. Do we have anything left to speak about this morning? I, I appreciate you folks all being here with me. Keep me company for this stuff. Um get uh less less and less hate mail the last couple of days i have to say that um and i'm kind of running out of because 
I think people know this about me. I love um, I love talking to comedians on the on the interview shows. Love talking to musicians. Hitting a kind of a a rough spot with getting a booking on the, and going back to the publicists who and I I can give you some idea of the publicist stuff that this is the kind of stuff they're pitching to me. Uh, here you go. Award-winning film Mah- Madasi, uh, producer, uh, they're trying to get, this is a proposed guest that he, he, somebody has just sent me. Uh, film uh, is led by director Liana Manamakalakalakalai and stars Samalamana Anunamanam, Ajumania Kasim, and Patrick Raj. <laughs> that sounds like a, a guest for my show. Now, I won't be able to pronounce any of their names. Uh, what else? Uh, uh, what do we got here? Proposals for the show guests here. Um, would it be pot? Uh, you don't tell me anything about the. I love this when somebody fills out a, a thing to be a guest on the program and doesn't tell me anything about them, but just ask me, can I be on at one thirty instead of one o'clock? Uh, Connie Hoogner's book, The Divine Mother Healing. Now, I think. Um, I'm thinking this person, Divine Mother Healing, uh, I think she might have been a, now if you look at the cover of a book, I could, I could share this with you. She's going to be on the show. I said yes to her. She's going to be on the show. Uh, and this is, you know, kind of related to the Barbara Brennan stuff that I was talking about earlier. Um, uh, she, can I show you the, the cover of the book? Why can't I do this? Man, I'm so fucking stupid when it comes to technical stuff lately. Uh, Chrome tab, yes. Um, how about this? Yeah, there you go. That's that's her book now. Uh, Divine Mother Healing. Vibrational Healing Tools for Your Body, Mind, and Spirit. Uh, just um, It smacks to me of that stuff, the cultish uh, healing stuff. And here's the thing. Tonight I will be uh, interviewing the host of the Not Afraid of Anything, Afraid of Nothing podcast. Uh, Bob Hesch is his name. And I understand what he's going through. He's in midlife um, and lost somebody close to him. And that can that can throw send you reeling and looking for answers and spiritual guidance and what's real and what's not real afterlife all that kind of stuff and you want answers you want more and so that just wanting and I'm going to talk to him about this tonight because I went through it in my early twenties but I can understand how at any point in life you could get sucked into this whole cultism and new age thinking and and myths about or or beliefs about the afterlife and what, what exists beyond this fucking physical plane we all live in. And you can, you can go down a rabbit hole pretty quickly when you're in grief and you're, you're looking for answers and you're missing somebody and that opens the door to the mildest of exploration of these kind of subjects. Before you know it, 
you find yourself talking to people about UFOs and flat earth and uh, Bigfoot and all these kind of things that come along with your first, um, your first opening the door to the discussion of psychics and healing and chakras and all that kind of stuff. It can't help. And there isn't one person I've ever met uh, in 40 years of, of exploring this kind of stuff who hasn't, hasn't used their psychic interest, their interest in anything spiritual as a gateway drug to further and further, uh, out there beliefs and stuff. And so I don't dismiss the idea that something might continue after our, our energy leaves our physical body. And when you want to call that an afterlife, I don't dismiss that at all. It's po- certainly possible. I don't know what happens, and I don't think anybody ever will until you, till you're dead, and then you might not know at all. But... Um, so anything's possible, sure. But when uh, people claim to know, people claim to have been there, people claim to be able to traverse back and forth, that's a hard stuff for me to believe in. But I do, do know that it's a gateway drug. No matter where you start with this thing, the first thing you kind of accept and, and uh, get interested in, the more you get interested in, the more you're going to meet people with Similar ideas who also, I got. I can take you a step further. I got this friend who says Bigfoot is a quantum being that can go through parallel universes uh, at will, which is why we can't uh, ever get any solid evidence because they're fucking with us. Bigfoot, that is. Bigfoot is so smart that he just wants to give us a glimpse of him and then he walks and gets blurry because he's going to a parallel universe, that kind of stuff. It's only that far from your first uh, tarot card uh, where you're paying $25 for the local uh, tarot card ripoff <laughs> to go talk to your husband who just died or your kid who just died or your girlfriend who just died, whatever it is. It's only the step is that far before you go into yeah, pyramid sales. <laughs> yeah, uh, I actually... Um, the pyramid guys are now again. This all lead a perfect example. Thank you, Ken. Uh, the pyramid guys, the mystery of the pyramids. They're connecting that to Atlantis now. They definitely are. Uh, and Rogan had the Jimmy. Uh, I can't. I can't think of his last name now. Something. Um, something very Italian with beginning with a C, but I can't think of what it is. Um, Anyway, he's a scientist, ex-Marine, ex-Navy SEAL, whatever he fuck he is. Uh, a researcher now, pyramid researcher. And he's bringing up this idea of the advanced civilization that got wiped out in the flood and the pyramids were built by the Atlanteans. Um, which brings me, you know, how far is that from Barbara uh, channeling Haywin, the, the spirit guide from Atlantis? I mean, it's... It's not that far uh, a stretch. So my point is, you know, once you start talking about these things, I understand how, and there's a lot of them, 
because I had a radio show that dealt with with that stuff. All his beliefs are somehow eventually connected. And when you start going down, it's human nature to be inquisitive about what happens to people who are no longer living, the people we lose, the people we lose along the way. Somebody dies, you miss them. You want to know that they're still there somewhere out there. Their energy still exists in the world, in the universe. Whether it does or not, you want to believe it. And wanting to believe will lead is what the seduction is. It's the, it's the gateway. It's the thing that leads you to the next step. Um, and so it's all, it's all kind of related in some way. Now, I was thinking about, you know, the book. The book, the good book, the Bible. And because, and then this preacher who told me I'm going to hell. Well, they all tell me I'm going to hell. But they, and this goes against their own belief system this, it, because they're not supposed to be able to tell you to go to hell. But unless I accept, completely accept all their dogma, I'm going to hell. And they're using the Bible to prove the Bible. Which leads me to a very uncomfortable place in thinking about, because uh, I don't want to be on the side of the uh, people who want to ban books, <laughs> even the Bible. I think the Bible can be a very dangerous uh, book, though, for a lot of people. And I, you know, I'm putting this out there as, um, I'm not saying ban the Bible, although I'm not too far from saying that. <laughs> um. Because I think it puts a lot of a lot of the wars we started, a lot of the trouble we start, a lot of the you know the political discourse comes straight from that fucking book. Book that was written by men, not God, not some old man in the sky did not write the book because somebody said you know if god wrote the book wouldn't he have given the <laughs> wouldn't he have given the 10 commandments to adam and eve why wait six thousand years to give it to moses or whatever makes a lot of sense if god would if, if there was this old man in the sky delivering these rules you have to live by why wouldn't he give it to the two originators and of course they would have been different then because uh, not coveting thy neighbor's wife when there's only one wife on the planet. That one, kind of, you could take that one. You know, I think Carlin had a bit about that where we can go, which uh, commandments are unnecessary and kind of boil them down to really one. Just, just try not to suck. Anyway, the, the guy, the preacher who <laughs> who told, told me I'm going to hell, John, I want to say John Anderson, but I don't, that's not it. Something like that, though. Fucking names. I'm getting too old to fucking have a remember memory for names and stuff. Uh, he uses the Bible to prove the Bible. The most bizarre circular logic shit I've ever heard. So you go back to say that the first uh, the first testament is proof that the second second testament, <laughs> the New Testament, <laughs> is valid. Because the things that were predicted by Isaiah seem to come true in the second book, as, you know, in the description of the Christ story. The same fucking people wrote the book. It, it's you know, it, and and the people who wrote the second book had access to the first book 
So how the fuck can you use how, how the hell can you use the uh first testament, the old testament, as proof of the second testament when you know the people who were writing writing the new testament had absolute access. It's like an open book test. And so if you want to make, you know, well, look, uh, Isaiah said this, and then we see it again in uh, the story of Christ. Well, of course you did. They were relying on the Old Testament as they wrote the New Testament. Oh, I'm getting a, oh, my reservation is ready for pickup. All right, we're going to cut this, cut the show short. I'm going to go get my weed. Uh, my reservation is ready for pickup, folks, in case you were wondering. Um, anyway. How, how did I get on that? Oh, because the people that are getting, I want comedians and musicians and filmmakers, and I'm getting uh, cult members and new age people. Because of my reputation, I guess, uh, it, from the radio days of just wanting to interview psychics and UFO people and all that stuff, I would love to just never, ever have to talk to those people. But the majority of the requests I get are from people without their beliefs wanting to come on my show. And because I uh, describe the show as encouraging free and independent thought and opening um, avenues to discussion about various subjects, I can't deny them that. I can't just close my mind and say it's impossible. So I do always say, you know, keep an open mind to this, even though I'm uh, skeptical and I'm going to ask some hard questions. Uh, what is Kat saying here that Kelly is saying well said I got it uh, I don't think anyone truly knows anything so when people are so sure of themselves on these things it makes me want to uh, challenge those beliefs same here which is my exact intent in 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 how I approach this stuff it wasn't to and I know people think that when I ask challenging questions I'm trying to disprove, and I don't want to be one of those people who just feels like, well, um, I need to knock down your belief system. I don't need to knock that. I'm perfectly open to the idea that could all be true. Could all be true. You could have it right and I could have it wrong. There could actually be an old man in the sky sitting on a throne who loves me but wants to punish me uh constantly who i need who need who's so is an i'm the i'm the uh powerful um omnipotent being with all its power also also extremely insecure and needs my praise daily uh or even more than that, three times a day in order to uh ap- appreciate the mistake he made <laughs> in creating me <laughs> Man, when you analyze the belief system, it sure is hard to believe in, but it's there. And it could be true. How the fuck do I know whether it's true or not? All I can tell you is um, the way they describe it, I'm talking about organized religion, whether you're talking about Christianity, uh, Islam, or uh, Judaism, the three big ones, the way they describe it with the old man in the sky vision um feels like a child's story. It feels like a child's uh, fantasy uh, fairy tale. And so that's a difficult one for me. The idea the ice and again, I go back to the Carl Sagan uh, take on God. We can't have a conversation about God because God as a word 
has too many different meanings to too many people, and we can't define it enough to say, well, there is a God, there isn't a God. Well, depending on how you define God, Einstein and and, and uh, Tesla's, um, you know, these geniuses uh, who gave us a lot of what we uh, base our science scientific thought on today, their definition of God was far different from the religious aspect of it, the biblical God. Uh, and there are other people, you know, in, in today's world, the whole quantum physics world who, you know, believe in some kind of intelligent creative force to the universe. Hard to, hard to argue with that, that some of it, even if you take evolution, and I know I'm, uh, uh, I agree. It's one of the. I'm pausing here for to comment on a comment in the chat room. The chat man shaved head is low maintenance. That's the main perk of shaved head. Uh, that is, there are a couple of things that that are uh, low maintenance is definitely and and low maintenance comes with low expense too. I don't. <laughs> But I don't know why you're bringing that up at this point. Uh, uh, um, where did that come from? It, uh, you know, comment come from at this point in the conversation here. Doesn't necessarily have to be relevant to what I'm saying. Uh, oh, what is Linda's? My brain was trained growing up Catholic, e- easy to fall in. Yeah, I grew up Catholic too, but got away from that pretty quickly when the nuns started beating me. Uh, Cocaine is, hell, is a hell of a drug. I, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, did I miss something that that was said in the chat room? Again, maybe something's being. Uh, what did she, What did Kelly say about bald heads? Never changed. Don't know. I'm trying to read the comments here. What I miss uh, every day. Tech. The only way to the day. Super dry today. Ken is super dry today. Um, no. I don't get any of it. You guys are having your own conversation without me. I'll just, I'll just sit here and, you know, if any of you people want to uh, actually join the stream, uh, I would be happy to put out <clears throat> a link for you to join the stream someday to carry on this stuff. So, uh, actually, insane. But uh, if you prefer to stay in the chat room, that's cool too. I just, I try to keep up with you. And I'm a little confused about the direction some of it took. Oh, I believe in nothing. I, I believe. Oh. Rub your head because it looks smooth. My head is not that smooth today, is it? No, I need a shave. I definitely need a shave. This, uh, you know, I, I shave it all in one piece. Um, so my daily shaving uh, routine, I think I, I videotaped this. <laughs> um, it takes about less than two minutes entirely to shave from here all around the head. Now, you have to be careful. You have to use a heavy-weighted uh, steel razor handle. And uh, you don't want to buy cheap blades. Those cheap dis- disposal blades, the ones that the ladies use for their legs and armpits or whatever, will butcher your head, especially when you shave pretty quickly like I do. And I've had experience in where I cheaped out and bought some cheap razors uh, with a little plastic handle. And gone into my routine and cut off a big chunk of head <laughs> big chunk of head uh and blood and his, you know your hemorrhage when you cut your bald head shaving 
it's not like when you cut your face shaving, you put a little piece of toilet paper on there and <laughs> it will dry up pretty quickly. The head stuff is like, uh, I don't know, it's like a whale just shooting out of its blowhole. Only thing is red. <laughs> and uh, generally, when that happened to me, uh, yeah, head cuts bleed like crazy. Chad must have done it. I can't, because if that's your real hair, I can't imagine you'd had any experience with with this, uh, Chad. <laughs> I would kill to have hair like that just for one day. I wouldn't, again, the low maintenance stuff I appreciate. At this point in my life, I really wouldn't want hair for any other reason than just like, you know, a novelty. Uh, just to, for a laugh for one night. Uh, and to see how I how stupid I would look with hair on my head at this point. I, I actually have a, a gray wig I could put on to show you how stupid I would look with hair at this point. Um, anyway, it, no, it, and it always happens to me because, again, quick is what happens, is what causes this stuff. So you're shaving your head pretty quickly. And then I usually have to go to a gig with my head bleeding like orca uh orca spouting out the blowhole and going to a gig in that situation fortunately for me no gig is within like 100 miles of my house uh so uh, in that drive time there it will have time to kind of not necessarily stop the bleeding but at least stop the spouting of blood all over the place <laughs> and then i'll put a hat on it to disguise it and get through the gig but uh, no, I have Dollar Shave Club. That's not very good, Kelly. Thank you for bringing that up. But no, the kids got me Dollar Shave Club uh, two Christmases ago. Those, not the handle on that is not equivalent to the heavy steel handle that I have for my regular razor. And the it, Dollar Shave Club, is, the blades are not fusion. They're not the... They're not smooth like the fusion stuff. Uh, yeah, right. Chad's got it right. I don't know. Am I confused by the, the portrait picture? Chad sounds like he's had some experience head shaving, but his profile picture certainly looks like he would never have the opportunity uh, for that. And I am a little jealous. I have to admit that that hair looks pretty damn sexy, if you ask me. Uh, it looks a little 70s ish to me, but that's where I'm from. Uh, so that's why I think it, damn good looking man there with the long hair and the beard. Um, it worked, Why? You shave your head? Uh, Kelly, do you shave your head? No. No. Well, it is a wig. <laughs> no, you're fucking with me. I know you're fucking with me. You're all fucking with me today. You're all just having fun with the old man, seeing if you can con confuse him. I know you are, but I appreciate I appreciate the effort. I like being confused by you people. Um. Anyway, I guess we we've run the course here today. Um, I'm gonna try and get a guest for tomorrow. Tomorrow is Friday. Uh, what's the stars? Did I start? Man, I'm not sure how this shit works. His profile look, looks like he's wearing my jeans. Really? Um, I, am I, I, ba, 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 ba. Halloween costume wig. Oh, I went for a 70s. Oh, yes, definitely. I could see that now. You're definitely looking like the ELO looking there. So seriously, that so? Oh, so you're a bald guy then. I'm figures. Okay. They're not fucking with me. 
he does have some experience with head shaving. Good for him. <laughs> um, where was it? Oh, I'm going to try to get a guest for tomorrow. Uh, bell bottoms a whole bit. So, yeah, so he was going for the 70s ELO look. He just said that. So, now bell bottoms would make sense. The wig makes sense. The whole thing makes sense with that look. Definitely looks like a little like a 79 uh, uh, Jeff Lynn look, ELO. And ELO is one of the most underrated classic rock bands, in my opinion. They don't get enough. They had a lot, a lot of hits. A lot of people in the day did not put them in the same reverence or, um, yeah, that's what I, I said exactly. Jeff Lynn, that's who it looks like. Absolutely, Kat. Uh, um, a lot of people didn't put ELO in the same category with the the major classic rock bands. Yeah, I mean, like Led Zeppelin, The Who, you can go down the list. Rolling Stones, Deep Purple, you know, the 70s groups. Uh, um, I don't know, is Rush in there? I think Rush is more 80s. But you know the ones. Uh, but ELO had so many hits during those days and a lot of really good songs, a lot of great production. Jeff Lynn, of course, went on to be a great producer and worked with the Traveling Wilburys, of course, but produced a lot of artists and just revered as a producer and stuff. But um, I think John Lennon at, in the early 70s at some point said uh, ELO was what the Beatles would have sounded like had they stayed together. And if you listen to ELO's early records, there's a lot of validity in that. The uh, telephone line and uh, uh, what was the uh, strange magic and songs like that. You could definitely hear that strong Beatle influence on it. Uh, yeah, Sugar Coat Cat is on Twitter. Kelly, uh, yeah. Uh, I am Cat Catherine. Um, you will find her on Twitter. I think every every all of us are uh, follow her. Or most of us, I didn't do. I think do. I am. I shouldn't speak for everybody. I don't know who follows who. I know I follow her. <laughs> so you can find her if you're looking people I follow. You can find the link to her there. Uh, anyway, I guess that's the show for today. It wasn't much of a show. It's just me constantly rambling from one tangent to another. Again, I'm going to try to have a comedian guest for you tomorrow. Hopefully, uh, all I'm working on is Chris Monty, uh, East Coast guy, uh, but a film guy. Uh, you know, he basically works most of the East Coast, up and down the East Coast, uh, not necessarily working uh, the wide road dog scene i mean from new york to california more from new york to florida and back and forth and everything in between carolinas and everything up and down the east coast but he's been in several movies uh, uh movie actor and comedian and a good friend of mine uh and somebody who i could have fun with here tomorrow so if i can get him on the program uh for tomorrow to make things a little more easy and more and more enjoyable for you, kick off your weekend the right way. And then, of course, Issues with Andy's come out tomorrow. But that's pre-taped now. The Issues with Andy we're going to be seeing tomorrow was probably taped this Tuesday of, of this week. So Andy did not have his prognosis, diagnosis, answers to his biopsy. Or I think he's only... As going in for the biopsy tomorrow, so we won't have any answers to that. Very concerned. I'm. I'm sure most fans of uh, Andy's are. Again, I would just try to 
keep people off the ledge as far as assuming anything. Because at this age, as I mentioned yesterday, when you're over 50, you can't go to the doctor with a hangnail without them saying, yeah, I think we ought to do a biopsy. I just got a hangnail. Oh, we got to do a biopsy. I mean, it basically comes with the territory when you're over 50. So let's not, like, be doom and gloom about it. But I am definitely uh, concerned, and and fingers crossed. That's exactly what I was going to say. Thank you. Fingers crossed for Andy and and wishing him the best and being supportive of him. Um, And I, I, I want him to get that message more because... If there's anybody who sounds like they got the doom and gloom about this thing, it's him. He's kind of, yeah. I, th- I think on the last one, he was starting to call himself a cancer survivor already. <laughs> Wait, you don't even have cancer yet. You ain't, nobody's even told you you have cancer yet. You can't be a cancer survivor unless we all are um, until you've actually been diagnosed with it. I don't, you know, I'm so I'm just thinking they threw that word at him. He's not used to hearing it. And that can just hearing that word can. Get you nervous, get you thinking of the worst. So let's all uh, again. Cat has it right. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed for um, uh, Andy. That's the show for today. Thanks for coming. I'm going to sign off because I do have to go pick up my weed over in Riverhead. It's a thirty mile drive. Thirty mile drive for me to get weed. Might as well be fucking driving to New Jersey for this shit. <laughs> Uh, let's see, what will we play on the way out today? Should I play Turn On Your Radio again, as I do almost every day? Or should I play, like, uh, Church on Sunday? Or, um, you know, here's the thing. I can't play my own music. If it's anything that I wrote before this year or published before this year, if I play my own music, YouTube gives me a copyright strike for playing my own music because the publishing company is so fucked up they don't know that Matt Napo is Matt Napo. Because all the stuff is published under my own name, my YouTube channel is under my own name, and still I will get copyright strikes for using music by Matt Napo. Like, hello, look at my name. Look at my name. <laughs> Dumb fucks. Anyway, so but Church on Sunday is one of the few songs that I could play of my own that I won't get a copyright strike for, so... Uh, it's just so it's fucking ridiculous because of the way way things were published and people who, who were responsible for publishing did not include a YouTube, um, uh, whatever alliance. Uh, so yeah, so YouTube will will give me a copyright strike for using my own music. So I'll go back to using turn on the radio, which is my own music, but it's not really. Not really a song. It's just a piece. Anyway, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for coming. Have a great rest of your day. Uh, Unless you want to join me tonight at 8 p.m. and uh, listen to my interview with the guy who's the host of the Afraid of Nothing podcast, who I will try to be relaying some of my experience with New Age thought and all the kind of UFOs and all the stuff that he's interested in these days, Uh, how it's easy to get sucked into that rabbit hole and... uh, Sooner or later, you're going to have to find your way out. Sooner, sooner or later, we all, any, any one of us who gets drawn into that world of set speaks and chakras and channeling and UFOs and all that stuff, ghost, ghost hunting and all of it, you got to find your way out of that and get back to um, 
reality-based here and now. That's my take on it. Anyway, 8 p.m. tonight, if you're so interested in hearing me have that conversation. till the or If not, I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for coming. Have a great day. This episode is brought to you by... That's the wrong fucking thing. See? This is what I'm talking about. I really need... <laughs> <laughs> I really need some help here. Uh, where is Terno? Oh, here it is.
Listen to me now. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me now. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me now. 